Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. <laughs> B-F-F-T. From the Pack West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the Bald Face Truth. You want to know what the heck's going on in college athletics? Everything off-field in college athletics. Matt Brown, the publisher of Extra Points, is now part of the D1 Ticker family. Extra Points basically covers the off-field stuff that shapes college athletics. The business, the geography, the politics. Matt Brown does a hell of a job with Extra Points. You should check it out. He's joining us now. Give us an idea, Matt, when you went to start this thing. I know we talked about this before, but for listeners who are hearing it for the first time, you went to start Extra Points. What was sort of the, the fire that got you going? Yeah, I, I wish I could tell everybody that it was like, oh, I was, this was born out of entrepreneurial spirit, and I wanted to stick it to the man and, and, and you know, you know be, liberate myself from tyrannical editors. But, like, the, the honest truth here is I was at Vox Media for seven years, uh, and when the pandemic started, they laid me off. They got rid of most of our college sports team, and I'm sitting here in Chicago, and I've got a wife, and I've got kids, and I've got a mortgage, and I realized that, uh, you know, it's not like the Chicago Tribune was hiring. Nobody was hiring. So I, I, this was started out of desperation rather than um, inspiration. But it, it's, it's worked out very well. It's evolved a little bit since then. And we've kind of we've kind of found a found a little niche in digging into some of these business and policy stories. And we've been really fortunate that, you know, two years into it, it's, it's grown enough to be acquired and to be a real sustainable business. USC and UCLA leave the Pac-12. People in the conference footprint begin to fret. There's some hand-wringing, a lot of what the Big 12 went through with Texas and Oklahoma leaving. But what what was sort of the talk in Big Ten country? You're right there in Chicago. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny that um, there wasn't very much smoke about this coming ahead of time. Uh, you know, as, as, as you know, it's been explained to me from talking to some other Big Ten people, a lot of even some even ADs didn't really know this was coming in earnest until just a couple of days before everybody else did. It was kept to a pretty tight circle. But the feeling among among coaches and, and certainly fans has been uh, decidedly meh, really. It, it's not that people don't respect UCLA and USC. I think there's going to be plenty of fans who are going to be very excited to watch those football games, those basketball games. It's an enormous coup for Big Ten baseball, which is not very good. Um, and, and it will be excellent for some very good volleyball conferences. But there's also the, the realization here that if you're, especially, you know, somebody who's a fan of a Michigan or an Iowa or Wisconsin, every time you're bringing somebody else in, you're, you're, that's another game that you're not going to get to play against somebody that you've been playing for 100 years. And unless you live in Chicago, most of the Big Ten footprint, you're probably not going to know anybody that went to USC or know anybody that went to UCLA. But the people in your PTA group and your church and your neighborhood, they all root for Wisconsin or Illinois, and you get to rub their noses in it. So this is uh, <laughs> it, there's there's some excitement, but also some you know disillusionment because this this is uh, indicative of college sports being very different and not always in good ways than what it was 25 years ago. Why do you think it was kept so quiet? Because 
It, you know, I'm told that the Big Ten talked to USC, UCLA like a year ago. It cooled off. It picked back up a couple months ago. Like normally, this stuff leaks. Why, why were they able to keep it quiet? It's, it's a great question. Um, I mean, in the, I got a very, very thin, you know, whiff of this, you know, three or four months ago, and and Astaron was told there's nothing really to it, and and these kind of very basic, very you know, conversations between conferences and schools or between conferences and schools through inter- intermediaries like consulting firms, those happen more often than fans uh, w- might, might think, but they often don't progress beyond that point, and so there's nothing really super meaningful to report. Um, one possibility here is that a lot, uh, you know, Kevin Warren's still relatively new. Uh, some of the presidents involved within the Big Ten are, are relatively new, and while that creates some problems of trust and can make policymaking difficult, if you're new to the club, maybe it's a little bit easier for you to keep a secret because you don't have 25 years of inertia and gossiping and relationships where these sort of things kind of come up. You're not as tight with, uh, with, with other reporters or anything. So that might what was a, a real problem for the Big Ten, I think, during the COVID year might have been an asset in trying to get this done very quickly and quietly. Matt Brown with Extra Points is our guest. Uh, the, the money of this makes sense for UCLA, USC. Um, yeah. I, I'm a little concerned about the Pac-12, obviously, the Big 12, and, and the others who are left out and how they're going to matter in this. Uh, this all feels like it's gamed towards getting as many teams in the playoff if you're the SEC and the Big 10. Do you think there's room for a third amalgam, a conference, a third entity to emerge as a player here? I, I, I would think so. One of the challenging things here about trying to kind of game plan or, or things are going is I don't think television money is really the only variable to, to consider. You know, as from I think you, you reported something, some things that are similar, and I've heard similar things when talking to media consultancies. There's not a whole lot of teams that either the Big Ten or the SEC that, to add that would certainly increase their per school television allotment. If you're bringing in Oregon, you're bringing in Washington or Clemson or Florida State. It's, it's more probable that the per-school distribution goes down a little bit. But one thing that doesn't necessarily go down is political and administrative power. And that's a little bit harder to kind of handicap. Like, are there enough good college football or college basketball or sport or programs to have a, a very viable league outside of these big two leagues? Sure. I mean, Big 12 won two, what, two NCAA men's basketball tournaments here over the last four years? Lots of schools that don't make as much money as the Big Ten have been kicking the Big Ten's butt in all kinds of sports. Sure, sure, that could exist. But if political control around whether that's through the NCAA Transformation Committee or the or who ends up running or determining play, uh, you know, championship access for these other sports, if that becomes increasingly consolidated by two leagues, that's a different problem. And I think what I would be more concerned about isn't so much that the Big Ten is only operating here out of money. But I would be more concerned if, you know, depending on how the transformation committee goes, if, if maybe some administrators realize, look, if we expand to 20, we could get like 19 teams in the softball championship. Why don't we just run that thing? We we well, we could run the volleyball tournament. What are we doing sharing anything with the Southland? That creates a different issue. The Pac-12 in the entire western part of the United States is not factored in the playoff. How concerned are you, Matt, as you look at just the health of college athletics, college football, when you see a swath of the country just tuned out? Yeah, I think I really do think it's a it's a significant issue. We have had a lack of parity in college football almost as long as we've been having college football. It may, it may be a little bit ahistorical now, but 
you know, you look back at the, the 70s, it's generally three or four teams that are dominating everything. That's how it was in the 50s. But there's usually been more geographic distribution. And it's difficult to see a way where that changes in the near future, even even if money is, is spread around, simply because there's really only one part of the country that really produces most of the really good college football players. And that's that's the Southeast. You know, I, I, was, I, love the, I love the West Coast as much as everybody. There's not as many really good fat guys out there. It's not the place to get the depth of defensive tackle or defensive end talent that you can get in Georgia and Alabama and Louisiana. And that's getting worse, not better. And, and you know, even, even if, if money is more redistributed or, or playoff access is redistributed, I'm not sure how that changes. And I definitely don't think that's healthy. Just like I don't think it's really healthy that the Northeast has mostly – been removed from from national college football relevance and, and really has been for the last 15 years, too. It would be better for the sport if Oregon or USC or UCLA became more championship contenders on a regular basis. Matt Brown with us. Extra Points is the newsletter. It's part of the D1 Ticker family. They do a great job covering sort of the business of college athletics. It feels like, um, you know, I, I agree with you that more than television should matter but it feels like ESPN could play kingmaker here, and if they wanted to, just they could bet and back the Pac-12, and it feels like it would be bad for the Big 12. I don't want to see that happen. I would rather see the ACC, Big 12, Pac-12 come up with some kind of antidote to what we're seeing with the SEC and the Big 10. But am I asking too much? Am I being Pollyanna here, Matt, and dreaming that, that we could find a solution that kind of works for everyone? Well, I mean, it's maybe a little bit, but it, it, it kind of depends a little bit, I guess, on uh, how we define works. Like, I would love it if there was a way to make the math work or some kind of Pac-12 ACC, you know, fusion where ESPN took over some of the management of the Pac-12 networks and Pac-12 presidents would love that because then they get to say that they're sharing an institutional alignment with UNC and Wake Forest and in uh, Boston, no, well, not Boston College, well, or, or some of these other great schools um, on the East Coast. But the, I don't think the math works to the point where it would be anywhere near like parity with the Big Ten or the SEC. And it doesn't necessarily have to be parity, right? Clemson is not does not have financial parity, and they've won national titles. And Florida State doesn't have the financial parity, and, and they've in the past you know, competed for college football playoff bids. But, but you could do better. I think this sport would be diminished particularly out here on the West Coast, if five leagues became three or became two, two and a half. Uh, and I'm, I'm hopeful it does not get to that point. And I, 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 I see that you've said this, and that mirrors the conversations I have had with senior associate athletic directors and ADs. I'm hearing a quiet optimism that this might be able to work out for, for the Pac-12. I, I, I'm definitely hearing less of existential crisis than maybe five days ago. We're talking to Matt Brown, extra points. Yeah, I would love to find that happy medium. Let's talk uh, specifically about USC, UCLA, and the Big Ten. How competitive can they be? I had an AD in the Pac-12 today say, hey, UCLA basically announced they're going to be a basketball school. There's no way they're sniffing the playoff in that conference. Uh, How do you read their level of competitiveness in the Big Ten? I think that's probably true in, in the short term. You know, one thing that I've heard a lot from coaches as, you, as they go through conference realignment changes, is that it isn't just about raw talent acquisition. You, know, you build a roster to compete in a certain league against a certain kind of style. The thing that I've heard the most, that's, that, that's some of the biggest changes for not just Nebraska, but for Maryland and Rutgers, when they entered the Big Ten, is 
the caliber and depth of offensive line talent that's needed because there are so many really good pass rushers and so many really good linebackers that are very physical in that league. And, you know, offensive line depth has been a little bit of a challenge within the Pac-12 generally. Um, it's, it's, it's part of why Utah, I think, has been, as, has been so successful despite not recruiting at, at an elite level. So in the short term, I don't think anybody should be shocked if UCLA comes in and, you know, gets punched in the mouth by a 7-5 Michigan State team or a, a 7-5 Iowa team, you know, and loses badly. Um, the challenge will also be how both of those programs reorient their recruiting footprint. If you're, if you're not playing in California as often, are you going to be able to recruit the same kinds of athletes the same way that you wanted to do it? Are we going to have to see UCLA hire assistant coaches that are outside Chicago or have familiarity in Youngstown or Cincinnati? Like, that's, that's going to be a good question. You, you, USC, given how they're kind of orienting talent now, should be competitive pretty quickly. But I wouldn't expect either team to be able to come in and win the league because we haven't really seen that when anybody changes leagues. That's, that's, they, your roster is not built that way. Yeah, and they're not winning the Pac-12 right now, at least not in their yeah. present form. Uh, the rest of college athletics, you know, I, I, I've i reached out to, like, the Big Sky, and I'm kind of looking at them, and I'm looking at the Mountain West and some others, you know, and I really feel bad for, like, Boise State, Fresno State, San Diego State, SMU. How are they going to matter, Matt? Well, that is a re- – I mean, it's, it's a good question. Part of it depends, I think, on what you want as a fan – or as an athletic director, what you want to get out of Fresno State Athletics, what you want to get out of Boise State Athletics. If, if, if a successful Boise State Athletic Department is, we have a lot of people coming to our games, uh, a lot of people can watch our games, we're providing a really great experience, our athletes are, are uh, you're progressing to the pros and graduating at a high level, and we are nowhere near the top 20, that might still be okay. I mean, I think that describes a lot of the big sky, and I don't say that pejoratively, you know, if, if you're not... Uh, you know, necessarily winning that conference, I think you can have a successful athletic department. If, if you need to be competing for championships, I mean, one, I think you've got, you've got some existential problems already, but, but that would certainly make this worse. I would be honestly more concerned over maybe the bottom half of that Mountain West because if, if some chairs get rearranged and maybe Fresno or San Diego State or Boise end up elsewhere and you're a San Jose or you're a Wyoming or you're a Utah State and you're probably already a little bit financially over-leveraged, and suddenly you you're, you find yourself in a, in a more challenging position. That's when I think people are going to have some really difficult conversations. You can still be a great athletic department and have great experiences and have people be passionate about you if you're SMU in the year of our Lord 2022. If you're Wyoming, um, and I don't know, if resource extraction prices change a little bit over the next couple of years, that might be a little bit harder to do. Matt Brown, Extra Points. I appreciate you, man. This is all interesting stuff. Let me ask you before I cut you loose. You know, there's a lot of rumor whispers. Um, You know, everybody's got a theory. How do you, as a journalist, know what to report, what to retweet, what to trust versus maybe stuff you should just read and go, okay, let's uh, grain of salt there? This, this is this is really hard, and I'll, I'll I'll talk about this specifically in the context of realignment because there's there's so much stuff that gets thrown on social media, right? But I think it's important for fans and listeners to understand is that the number of people that have direct firsthand knowledge of what's actually happening in these in these kind of conversations is generally really small. And I know that because I've broken some of these stories at the FCS and one AAA level. So coaches and especially assistant coaches 
almost always know nothing about realignment. It's not because they're stupid. It's just because they're not in these meetings. So when I look at you know, uh, news outlets that are primarily just talking to coaches and they suddenly have a big realignment scoop, that makes me wonder, all right, did they talk to like two assistants, a GA and a coach, and none of them really knew what they were talking about and they said this thing? That is how uh, speculation suddenly becomes sourcing, right? Not even every AD always knows. And so I think as a consumer you have to ask yourself about anything, but especially about realignment, how likely is it that the unnamed source in this particular story actually is somebody with direct first-hand knowledge of these kind of conversations. If you're looking at something that Ross Dellinger posted and you know that he talks to university presidents and conference commissioners and senior media executives all of the time, I think it's a different calculus than when you, when you read your local 247 uh, or, or subreddit. The, the weird thing about college, college sports, I've, I've joked about this too, you still kind of have to read some of those things because like one out of 100 times, like Dr. Fart 420, is actually a regent somewhere and actually does know something and you and then like it, it gets leaked so you got you got to make the phone call but almost always it's full of baloney and there's a lot of baloney when it comes to conference realignment on the internet amen to that matt brown he's a good follow on twitter he's a good read at extra points appreciate what you do and thank you for your time matt john it's, it's always a pleasure thank you very much happy to do it again later on Good stuff from Matt Brown. Follow him and read him. And and look, I'm going to join the refrain. Like when he talked there about knowing what to trust, what to believe. There's a lot of nonsense out there. There's a lot of people just throwing things against the wall. The conference members themselves are anxious. Even the core members. Even I think even members like Oregon, Washington, uh, Stanford, Cal. I mean, everybody's a little bit unsettled by what happened with USC and UCLA leaving, in part because nobody saw it coming, and now because they all want to keep the Big Ten and the SEC at least in view from the front windshield, so to speak. Like, they want to be able to look out the windshield and say, oh, I could still see them. You know, like when you're caravanning on I-5 with other family members, maybe they're not from the area, and you're like, okay, where did they go? Or, you know, are they still in sight? Uh, I think the conference members want to do that, but there's a lot of people throwing out their own agendas, so to speak. And I think it's really difficult at times to kind of navigate that. And I'll just tell you this. Like, I read John Wilner. I trust John Wilner. I follow John Wilner. There are a, a few national people that I read. Um, I will tell you that I hear a lot of things. Uh, I will not uh, report uh, rumor or innuendo uh, I have to hear it from the horse's mouth. When I tell you I talk to two Pac-12 ADs who tell me that they feel the remaining members are going to stick together, and then a third tells me this morning I agree with those other two ADs, the dialogue's been candid, it's been productive, it's been forward-thinking, the numbers point to the remaining 10 sticking together. Like, that is coming from an AD within the conference. So I think that's newsworthy, that's worth paying attention to. Does it mean that something could change or wouldn't change? No, we don't know that. We don't know the factors. We don't know. Notre Dame decides all of a sudden, hey, we want to join the Big Ten. Uh, that could change the calculus a little bit. But it kind of gives you an idea as a citizen slash reader slash listener. When you see me report that at johnconzano.com in the morning, uh, and you're having your coffee, you know kind of where the Pac-12 is, where their heads are. And, you know, I'm not going to throw every wild scenario I hear uh, out there because I just think it, it muddies the waters. But 
I think you got to consider, you know, as as Matt was pointing out, when you talk to sources, what's their motivation? You know, if I'm talking to somebody at Oregon State or Washington State, I know that Oregon State and Washington State are especially worried about the conference fracturing. So I have to take that in consideration. If I'm talking to somebody at Oregon or Stanford or Arizona State or Arizona, I know it's a very different, uh, very different framing of that same conversation. Uh, Utah, in particular, Utah is interesting because they're they're a newcomer to the conference, so to speak, with Colorado, and yet they've got the geography of the Big Twelve that can work in the Big Twelve or work in the Pac twelve. But I feel like Utah, Colorado, Arizona are probably mostly in alignment with George Klyovkov and what is going on. I think Arizona State is in there too, but I think Arizona State is playing a cute little game right now. And I think Arizona State is trying to see, you know, play like they're on the fence a little bit so that if there is a meteorites deal with ESPN, Arizona State, because they're in the Phoenix market, can go, hey, we're in a bigger market than Oregon, Oregon State, Washington State, Colorado, and some others. Uh, you know, what about us getting, uh, instead of one share, can we get 1.5 shares? Can we get a little more money? Because we're bringing more media value. I think those conversations are happening. Anna's going to pop into the studio. We'll talk more about what it means. Uh, had a good mail day today. We'll talk about that and a whole bunch more. Leave it here. We interrupt this podcast with a special announcement from the Bald Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but... If you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.